Kamal Ravikant is a serial tech entrepreneur and managing partner at Evolve BC, an early stage Silicon Valley venture capital fund. And the one thing I recognize is I was miserable inside myself. He is the author of the best-selling books, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It, Rebirth, and Live Your Truth. The bad news is, I, no one else is responsible for your life. The good news is, no one else is responsible for your life. Kamal has served as an infantry soldier in the United States Army. I went through some severe physical trauma, almost died. He is a sought-after public speaker, television and podcast guest, regularly appearing as an expert on the topics of entrepreneurship, investing, creativity, and, of course, loving yourself. That's a great question, man. That's, you asked a good question. That's very insightful because before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. So, Kamal, you are the author of three books, Rebirth, Live Your Truth, and probably the most popular one of all three, which is called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And my first question to you is, tell me about a time in your life where you didn't love yourself like your life depended on it. And what did your life look like at that point? Yeah, that's a great question. To be honest, I'm never someone I think was saddering thinking that I love myself. I don't think I, honestly, to be honest, I never did. You know, just average, you know, like, I just, I don't think I ever did, man. I was very hard back though, but I had a lot of negative self-talk. I talk and try to prove myself to the world and looking for the world's validation. Um... You know, I came from a rough childhood and, you know, that obviously leaves us marks, you know, and I went to therapy to try, you know, overcome that, but still it leaves those scar internal scars. And I carry that with me. And that was my existence. Look, I mean, I, but I went off and did things. I, you know, I was in the U S army, you know, travel around the world. I, you know, been part of companies that have built, com built companies. So I did stuff. It didn't stop me. Right. But still, it's still you in your head through the whole game all along. And I was never um, someone looking back at that before what happened that led me to write the book. I was never someone who thought he loved himself. In fact, I used to poo-poo the word love. You know, I was like, ah. And to think that I'm kind of like now the love yourself guy, which I find still very, very entertaining. Um, and you know what the whole thing is? The whole love yourself thing was came from a place, a place of desperation. I really was at rock bottom and it was either like all the validations looked from the world have fallen apart. I'd fallen apart. Um, and you know, us being harder on ourselves than the world is, I was very hard on myself rather than looking back, looking at myself objectively where I was. Um, and so it's more of a desperation that I decided one day what I was actually it was night. I was just like, I was in my bed and I was just like sick of my own damn head. I was just sick and tired and I was like, I'm done with this. I can't live like this. I, you know, I need to get out. I, I need to like get a 
changes or die trying. I cannot live in this head. I was miserable. I was miserable. And and I remember uh, I didn't walk. I kind of like staggered over my desk and I keep a journal on there. And this is when I was living in San Francisco. And I sat down to write write down the, this decision I'd made. And what I did was I, I wrote a vow to myself. And I'm a big believer in um, the power of personal commitment. You know, like I, I look back in my life and the great things I've done that I consider great came from committing. And no matter what, no fucking... Am I allowed to curse in this? You <laughs> like, curse all you want to know. We love yeah, to curse. No fucking matter what. Like, you committed to... And you're not doing it for the world. You're not doing it for anyone else. You're doing it for yourself. Obviously, I think it's the greatest hack to self-confidence is just make commitments to yourself and keep them to yourself. And a vow is like a... It's a sacred act. It's a sacred commitment to yourself or to whatever you believe in the whole show's about. And I sat down and wrote a vow to myself. And I thought it was going to be about, you know, I'm going to get better. I'm going to be great. I'm going to do this. And out of nowhere came this vow that I was going to love myself. And the vow's in the book. It's far more uh, poetic than I'm making it right now. But like it came out. And I remember, and I remember thinking, sitting back and thinking, one, what the hell did I just write? Two, where did this come from? It wasn't my conscious mind. And third, oh shit, I just made a vow to do this. I, now I get to keep that. That's kind of like how uh, what I what I believe. It's like I wrote it down. It's on paper. It's my handwriting. It was me. I got it's it's a contract between between me and life. Now I got to do this. And so I just set out like a crazy man to figure out how to love myself. And it wasn't taking bubble baths or going for a long walk and staring at rainbows. It was none of that. That was miserable. I was fucking miserable. So the only thing I, I, and the one thing I recognized was I was miserable inside myself, you know, like in my head. So I just started working on my head. Like started like trying all these crazy things, you know, like the guy who's going on to write these books. I never picked up a book on it, but then again, I'm not a fan. To be honest, I'm not a fan of most self-help. I find it to be pedantic. I find it to be just the platitudes and like clap in the back, but like a month later, is your life better? That's my metric, right? And I come from the startup world where it's very, everything's very, very practical. And so like, I kind of like, so I went for the, so I didn't look for for outside. I just tried inside and I started doing things, but now from a whole um, filter or like a whole path of just loving myself, that's the vow I've made. Not that I was going to get better. I was going to feel great and all that. Ironically, all those who resulted on their own because of that. And so whatever worked in my head that made me start to feel better from this from this filter of loving myself, I went further down. And if it stopped working, I just threw it away. It was just me. It was just doing it for me, what this vow made, just me and life, that's it. And I did it with like, because I was so miserable with this desperate intensity. And that's where the like, almost like my life depended on it. And I was like literally doing it because I was like, I can't live like this anymore. I'm done if I, if I got this. If I got to stay at the head, I am done. I'm out, right? Really, just being honest. And and you know, like within a month, everything had completely shifted. I was just working on it, working on it, and it started shifting, shifting. And before you know it, like my mind shifted. And then then the thing that I didn't expect, and this is what I find more fascinating, is that as my mind shifted, my life shifted, and not because of actions I was taking. My life just shifted. It kind of showed me like that tapped into something. I don't know what it is. I mean, I have theories on it. We all, everyone has their own theories, but I tapped into something. 
And I was like, oh my God, this is special. And so I just went deeper and deeper. So that was like the before. And the after is, to be honest, um, in the book I share, like after I figured this all out and I was living great, I fell into the old, uh, what I call the old mind again, you know, because look, our thoughts are patterns. That's all they are. We think we're thinking, but actually we just wear old patterns for decades or whatever, right? This, this very little original thought in our head. It's just the scenery is different, but it's the same, same stuff. And if you're not working on the new patterns consistently, just like it's exact, I use this metaphor. It's just like going to the gym, man. Like you go to the gym, you get in great shape. You like really commit. You're like a year later, you are fizzled. You're in great shape. And then you start for, for a year and eat bonbons and watch TV. What's, what's, what's your body going to do? Your body's going to show the results. The mind, I think, does it faster because the mind has all this old, you know, old wiring built in. So I did, I showed that I didn't keep on top of it. And sure enough, I fell up, fell back into it, went through a rough breakup and it just kind of like triggered it all back. And then I just sat down and started, started eating my dog, my dog putting in and I did it and it, it just worked. So um, my life before was a lot of negative self-talk, a lot of trying to prove myself to the world. A lot of, um, you know, outward confidence, but not so not necessarily inner confidence. That makes sense. Um, a lot of, yeah, just a lot of insecurity. I would say that maybe the world didn't see, but was in there. After there's a sense of, there's a sense of solidness. There's a sense of peace. There's a sense of, I am good. This is good. This whole show. This this is good. Like whatever it is, it's good. And it's more than that. It's like. Then uh, the deeper I go down this, and I just learned the older I got, you got to practice harder and harder, the harder and harder practice. And it also shows up in my life, the decisions I make, the people I let in my life, the people I tolerate in my life. I've gotten very good at just like cutting people out of my life. Just one decision. They're gone because I love myself too much. They're not worth me. You know, <laughs> to put it bluntly, right? Um, so it makes life, it's made my life and my choices a lot clearer, a lot simpler. My life has become simpler and simpler and better and better. Because you just, you know, the, only the things that matter to me, that's it. I don't own anyone any excuses, you know. I don't own anyone, like, platitudes, whatever. I know my values, don't let my values in. I'm doing this all, like, look, if you love yourself, you just... um you don't put up a ship from others and you don't put up a ship from yourself. And you know, it's an ongoing practice. You know, I'm not an, I, I'm not the master just to be clear here. Okay. I'm not the master, but I am someone who works very hard on it. And I've seen the results so drastically in my life time and time again, that I've, at, at some point I'm like, okay, you know, dumbass, just stop getting lazy and do it. That's literally like, um, I think we all have this, but I'll talk for myself. I can get lazy, you know, and it's more like, no, just make this, you know, so that's why I call it a practice. It's like going to the gym is a practice, eating health is a practice, loving yourself. And that's what made this book actually so successful is that I didn't write platitudes. I wrote one man's journey, but I also in there, I broke it down step-by-step step exactly what I did in my mind because that came from my startup training, right? Very, very practical. You know, if you're writing specs for engineers, you're writing like, you know, you're very specific. And I kind of like did that here. And it turns out, it didn't just work for me. It's worked for God knows how many people, you know, who read the book, who reached out to me. And, um, yeah, so that was the before and after. And you know what, if you ask me now after next year, 
I'm probably even have a, hopefully I'll have a better answer because I'm, I'm going deeper and deeper into, it's a great rabbit hole. You know, it's basically, I think that this is like a Trojan horse for working on the inner self because everything comes from the inner self. You know, you could, you could, you could have, you could be every people throwing gold and jewels and all of it. But if you're a shit show in your mind, man, it's like, that's the, that's who you got to sleep with. That's who you got to wake with. And trust me, it's not fun. Why not have all that and be great in your mind? So this whole thing really for me has became a Trojan heart for just working on my inner self, just my inner state, always catching myself, always just directing it to the point where it, it becomes natural. And then thinking, okay, where do I go from here? I'm never satisfied. I'm like, okay, I figured it out, right? I still got one thing out. Where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? And it's great. I, I hope to do it and I will do it till, till my time is gone, right? And <laughs> And, uh, and I, you know, I love it. I also read, hear from readers sometimes they'll take it and incorporate do the old thing, which I love because we're all, yeah, just figure your own shit out, add this to it. And like, like when you're a great inside man, oh, life is so good. You know, even the shit that happens, you, you just learn like, yeah, like so much of my internal, I'll look back at my internal mental drama and useless as what, I mean, look, pain happens, right? The world. The history is full of pain, uh, humans being having pain. That is part of the human experience, amongst other things. But suffering, you know, all the needless drama and suffering I created over pain. You know, whereas if I love myself, I would quickly make myself heal, let myself heal, and leave that shit behind. You know? And I look back at all that mental waste. The, the, pain, the pain is also a huge fuel especially for someone like yourself who's been so successful. And I think a lot of people, when they, even coming up with the idea of healing the pain, are also afraid to let go of the pain because that seems to be a massive driver for their success in life. And did you experience that in your own journey in terms of, like, as I imagine, when you're at rock bottom, on the outside, you've got a successful life at that point. Be right. Actually, no. It, it all fall apart, which is kind of like a copy to rock bottom. But not brought you to rock yeah. bottom. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then, but then, yeah. but then, at the same time, what created the success before you hit rock bottom was driven by pain. That's a great question, man. That you ask good questions. That's very insightful because, look, I run a bunch of capital fund fund now, right? And I invest in entrepreneurs, you tech entrepreneurs. And you see patterns over time. You see the most driven people are the most unhappy, the most, you know, like they're trying to prove something. And I think there is that drive. And it's actually, if you have a channeler, right, don't just sit around and like, you know, just crying, you know, just channel it. I do, I do believe in that. Like if you're going through something, and that's part of what Live Your Truth was about. If you're going through something, work in yourself and do some, you know, create something great out of it. So because it will pass. Right, the storm will pass, and the one, the man on the other side. You wanted that man. You want to be proud of that man. You want to be a different man, right? And you're absolutely right. It does. But tell you what, um, I've had far more success being um, being at peace inside than I ever did, ever did with that drive to prove with this. I still have it, right? But like. I'm feeling the way I feel about myself inside. It's, it's first of all, it's a lot, a lot more fun, 
right? Second of all, I'm not, it's, it's actually, I'm just, I'm looking back and if you just want to take numbers, um, I have, a, I'm having far more success now than I ever did. So, um, yes, yeah, give us, give us, give us some numbers. Where's the numbers? Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> the numbers, you know, like the numbers, it's red. Numbers are very relative, right? But I could tell you that. Well, they are a metric. Back, I was just running. I was just running. Sorry. They are a metric, though. Yeah. Yeah, I was just running numbers in my head. You know, as I was yeah. talking to you, I was like, "Yeah, I'm way more successful, like feeling great about myself in life than I ever was when I was feeling shitty about myself." Yeah. You know, and you could have that drive. You could channel it. You know, like some of the best entrepreneurs I know came from nothing, and they have that thing. They have that, even though they could be billionaires. There still is a part of them that's terrified of being back in that shitty little apartment with their kids, right? Or that wherever they work. And that's okay. But you don't have to let that, you don't have to let the kid, you have to let them, the kid know it's okay, right? You have the kid know it's safe, right? You can channel it, but still, like, you can't let that be the main, main voice in your head, you know? But you're absolutely right. Drive, um, <clears throat> The best entrepreneurs, great entrepreneurs, they either have something to prove or they're like just like I, I'm just never gonna go back to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because because you because you do come from a difficult background, and uh -huh. it's the as you mentioned the fear of losing everything and then going back to that difficulty again was was a massive threat. It's, it's subconscious. It's not a conscious thing. I know I'll never end up where I was as a child. I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a strong man. Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, no one's going to do anything to me, right? So it's not that. It's, it's more like a it's more like a subconscious deep fear. And like for that, I've actually had some gone back to that child in my inside, and I've actually had, you know what? What fundamentally would be all think like, and and it's like it's interesting because men we don't really focus on it for ourselves, but that child. That child, when he was struggling, when he was suffering, what he was going through, he needed love and he needed to feel safe, right? He needed to feel safe by someone he trusts completely and he needed to feel loved. So what I've done is sometimes I just sit down, I'll close my eyes and I'll go to that child and it's me. Like, if there's anyone in the world you're going to trust, <laughs> it's you, buddy. You like it? It's you. So there's trust and feel safe and like, look, you're good now. I got you. You know, mine, and that just can't. I got you, you know, you turn out to be this man. I got you, but you know, and there's something, um, like I'm feeling this feeling race, something very special when you do that. It's like, oh my God, something shifts and something you got to do it again and again, you know, but I realized so much of my internal mental drama that came in life, like I was because of that child pulling those strings, not because anything in us is bad or whatever, it's just survival. We get stuck in these survival patterns, right? And what we don't realize is we're no longer in that place in life, but we're still playing the survival games, right? And I think in some ways we got to go back and just give love to that child who's basically trying to survive. And that it's okay, I got you. We're good. So it's how I recommend everyone do it. It's a great, yeah. it's, no, I've it's done a it. great little thing to do. I've done it. I've done, uh, recently done hypnosis which was very interesting. Yeah. And went back and revisited all those difficult childhood experiences where I felt abandonment or I felt disconnected or a detachment from my parents or whatever it might have been. And as you mentioned, yeah, going back there and give that kid a big 
adult hug from yourself. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. fucking mad. And you got this. Yeah. Even look at your smile, man. I'm looking at your back. Yeah, yeah. Even I get, the, I get it. Yeah. Even the uh, not only that, but also reframing the whole situation. So if it was a painful situation, in tears, whatever, a knot of anxiety or fear in in your stomach, instead of that, reframe the situation into something more positive. So see the kid as actually not being as badly not being affected at all in a negative way by the response of the parent or the caregiver or whoever was there. So like, for example, I talk about one of my most recent, one of my first childhood experiences was my parents leaving me one Saturday evening uh, to go to, go to church where I'd usually join them and they walk out the door and they're crying into this chocolate yogurt with my auntie there about to babysit me for the next 30 minutes of my life. And my whole world seemed like it was falling down around me just because my parents had left me. It was a punishment for something I did that day. So going back there and, and of course, doing the whole adult hug thing and telling the kid it's going to be fine. But then also reframing the situation in terms of, yeah, uh, parents are gone. They'll be back. Hey, mum. Hey, dad. Big thumbs up. See you later. Mm -hmm. I'm going to chill out here. going to eat some sweets, watch TV, hang with my favorite auntie. It's cool. And that's put to bed. Dude, that's amazing. You know, it's, it's something that I think we offer to Gannett, or we offer don't think that, well, I'll speak for myself. It's my mind. Mm. It's my heart. I can do whatever the hell I want inside. Whatever it takes to make myself heal, to make myself better. It's me. I owe it to myself. And something I realized, and this was just a few years ago, I was it just hit me. I was like, oh my God. That you know, some I used to almost like try not to think about my childhood or think about that child because I felt like all these feelings of shame and all this other things, right? And and I realized, oh my God, this child survived all that. He went through all this and he survived it so I could become so I could be here. What a strong, what strength he had, no matter of course he suffered. Of course it was hard. But the think about the strength he got through, he went through it. And it gave me like a whole level of respect. It was almost like, dude, you're incredible. You know, to realize that about your childhood self, like, wow, like you, you went through that and you got through it. That, you know, that takes real strength. Yeah. You know, real, whatever you want to call it. But it's like, oh my God. It's the same thing, like a something, a reframe. I'd rather thinking shame. I was like, "Wow, you are powerful. You went through that, and you got through it, and you know, you went through that, and you got. Oh my God! Like, and off to you and our respect. You know, that's a that, that's that's a message to everyone listening today because we all have that child. Yeah, people then. Yeah, yeah, and we've all survived. If you're listening to this today, you've survived. Yeah. So when then. And we owe it to ourselves, you know, honestly, to thrive. We're here. You know, we got to whatever we got to. We owe it to ourselves. Just experience it. It feels good. Mm -hmm. And thriving is whatever metric you want to throw at it, right? It could be mental, physical, the world, finance, whatever. But but thrive. You know, like, or just, um, yeah, yeah. And I really do believe it starts from within. The... The process for you and the process for anyone who goes through this pro goes through this journey 
mm-hmm. is never linear. So you do talk about, <laughs> yes, things are going well. You make this vow to yourself. You're committed to it. You're, you know, you're living this more peaceful life. You move, you get into a relationship with somebody or maybe the relationship happened before that, whatever. Anyway, you got in a relationship, mm-hmm. relationship breaks down and then you're back into, you're back in the pit, so to speak. So how did you, yeah, you know, begin to move forward from that again? Well, relationships were always my Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> you know, that's what every, every, like. every, every man is <laughs> nodding their head. Yeah. And you're not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I had no problems. I've never had, never had any problems getting the woman I wanted. But I think what I did was the hair, is it? This is the best. Huh? It's the hair, is it? Ah, uh, no, wait, before. Like, look, I was in the US Army. I kept a very short hair for a long time. Yeah. I, for like, I only, so it wasn't the hair, it was the personality. <laughs> of course, of course, man. Um, the charm, the charm. The charm. But no, I just had, so it wasn't getting um, the woman I wanted, but it was interesting. Once I got the woman, we got comfortable, I forgot. And I'm looking back at this, I forgot my own value. It became like, oh my God, I need them. They can't leave me. The whole abandonment is just a kid, right? Ever being a kid. And if they left, I just fell apart. Where sometimes I look back, like, I was like, what a good, that God for that gift or it did not work out. Can you imagine my shitty life if that worked out? <laughs> you know, like, but I would fall apart. And really, it was a classic, you know, the child pulling the strings, abandonment as a kid. Um, so, no, actually, after I, you know, first figured out how to do this, Life got pretty special. I use the word magical, you know, and, and it stayed that way for a long time because I kept doing the practice. I kept working at it. Sometimes I got lazy, but I kept at it. And at some point I got kind of cocky and I was like, I, I got it. You know, I'll sit around and eat bonbons all day and watch TV. I'm good. My body's just going to keep its shape, you know, to put it, be able to use that analogy. And, and that's what happened. And I went through this breakup, someone I really loved deeply. And I just couldn't believe how it happened. It just, and, and I lost my, my, I completely forgot my own sense of value. The man who drew that woman to him, you know, that man, that's the man who should have stood when it, when it happened, that's the man that should have appeared, whether it worked out or not, but that's the man who should have appeared. Not the man who all of a sudden wasn't, was trying desperately to hang on. I mean, if you desperately run after anyone, what's going to happen? You know, like, I mean, just like, well. I mean, if you get them, it's, they're not going to respect you, whatever, right? You get it, like, I mean, yeah. So when that happened, and it's like, it's, it's almost like you, you, you needed, you needed the relationship, didn't you, as part of that process to yeah. really learn more about yourself because the relationship I mean, brought more to the surface for you and gave you the opportunity to learn. I mean, honestly, if I had stayed the man that drew the woman, I doubt it would have happened the way it did. You know, it's like versus the one who starts becoming feel like he needs the moment. You know, the, what we need, we don't, we don't, we want people our life. Yeah. You know, even family and friends. We, but need is a very special word. Need, like I tell my mom, I need her. I'm like, mom, take care of help. I need you. I think that's different, right? But like a release. You know, one can argue with me on this one, but like the need, and it should never gone to a need. You know, it's like, that's the thing. I wasn't loving myself. I wasn't putting myself first. I wasn't like, I was letting, I was 
letting her get away with stuff that I never should have, you know, if I love myself, right? I should have, I just would have been like, no, you know, like this, this is, this is not for me. But anyway, when I did fall apart and I had to like reach into myself and I was like, oh shit. And I was so embarrassed too, because I'm like, I'm the guy who figured this out. I was telling everyone about it and I was like, I'm, I'm a basket case and I was so embarrassed, but I was like, what choice do I have? So actually, one of the, one of the beautiful things that came out of it. So I started doing the whole practice again, once again desperately, but this time I kept like a very strong record of what was going on in my mind. Because look, this this is an inner game. This is not an outer game, right? So I wanted someone to when they read the book, there's there's a part in it where they actually see how I'm applying this in my mind. So there's no questions at the end, right? So it's like so I kept that record, and as I came through it that record actually became part of the book. And you know, I've been through, since then I went through some severe physical trauma, almost died really badly in the hospital, lost like two years of my life and like hospitals and surgeries. And I'll tell you, once I finally got my health back, um, I had the surgery in July of 20, no, in April of 21. And then in July I woke up, I wasn't in steering pain anymore. I was like, it was so bad. It was like, I remember I saw a psychiatrist and she said, my God, I have PTSD just listening to what you went through. And she's like, you're so, you, I mean, obviously you have issues with it, but you, you are like way ahead where someone, anyone else will be after going through this. Like they would need a lot of therapy to get to where you are because I was doing inner work. I was doing it to survive. And, but here's the interesting thing, because I was doing it so obsessively that when the pain went away, when I got my health back, when I got my body back, my mind has shifted so hard that like my new set point is way higher than ever was that I could ever even imagine. Um, and by yet I've learned my, so, my last word, but I've learned my lesson, man. I still do. I do the practice. I do it every day. Like before, before, you know, this, I was doing the meditation that I write about and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what, 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 what does the practice look like? The practice is, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's very new. It's a nuance because it's, it's a mind thing, but it's very much training my own mind. What I did was training my mind to actually start feeling naturally love for myself in various different ways. Okay. And from as simple as walking around and, and just look, my mind's going to be thinking if your mind left to its devices, there's a monkey throwing feces at a ca in a cage, right? That's literally what the mind, but you can also, you can also train it. That's the, that's actually harder than training your body, by the way, you know, cause body, you can tune out, you can do it, but the mind's bad. So what I would do is I would like for a certain period of time, I would just walk around making myself feel love for myself, even though I did believe it. And that's very important. You don't have to believe it because obviously if I believed it. I wouldn't need to do this. Right. So especially because I didn't believe it, I, that's where the practice these different things I tried make myself feel it and, and almost like accept it until it starts becoming a natural process, then doing different variations of it. And then almost like layering them in, like layering them in. So it becomes just a way of being. Um, and then it can, you know, so that's basically what the practice is. That's what kind of like what I came up with, you know, and I do like a seven minute meditation because I solicited a piece of music while I was doing it. And it's seven minutes long. There's nothing in here that's like, woo-woo or whatever. I mean, I think that results, anyone who does this, will say that life will get a little woo-woo because you're like, why is my life all of a sudden working? <laughs> yeah. 
That's literally, you have no idea how many readers like reached out. Like, all of a sudden, I know, I get what you're talking about when you use the math magic. Life just starts to work. It's almost like, I mean, I mean, just that alone is worth experiencing. Um, and I don't think this is the only way, but I think love, because we also, uh, so wired for it, you know, babe, some of baby, I mean, you have your father, so you look at a child, child, the child can, you know, expresses love, feels love and accepts love. So we're wired for it. So I think we're going into something really deep versus like, I accept myself or this or I've worked, you know, all those other things. No, no, going for love, which is just part of her, like fear of love, right? Part of a core wiring. So I think it does something to us. Whereas the, the, the other stuff actually naturally comes out as an expression of it. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Or am I yeah. rambling? No, no, makes complete sense. I've done a lot of work myself, so I get all this. And yeah, whatever, if you want to change something on the outside, you need to change the inside first and yeah. heal that. And I believe, and you'll agree, I'm sure, that forgiveness is a massive part of that process. And what have you yeah. had to forgive yourself for? Or what did you struggle to forgive yourself for? Yeah, this is actually a very powerful exercise I came up with years ago that I wrote about in the book as part of the process, which is forgiving yourself. And it's a very simple process where basically you you sit there and you write down, I forgive myself for that X. I forgive myself or you just write it, write it, write it until you're sick of yourself, until you're like this, you feel the weight of everything you put on there and you're just sick of it. Then you read it out loud to yourself again and again until you're sick of it. And then you just, like what I did was I would go to the ocean, ball it up and give it over the ocean. And then I would sit down and write about it myself, about who I was going to be because I got rid of that. And then I was set out to live the vow. Right? You let it go. Yeah, you let it go, but the step of now, like, if you just let it go and you just walk away without any clear direction where you're going to, a lot of people come back. You know, but if you give yourself a clear direction, which is where the back comes in, right? So for me, it would always be a returning about like um, something on my inner self or loving myself or whatever. So it gives me a direction I'm going to sudden, so my mind doesn't have time to go back and start to like pull the treads on the past. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as forgiving myself, man, I've had to forgive myself for a lot. But these days, honestly, I, because, you know, from loneliness, I realized, look, yeah, that was stupid. Okay. Yeah, that was dumb. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Okay. But like, who am I going to be now? You know, uh, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't serve you. Uh, yeah. But I think the, the, the hardest one has been like all the unnecessary mental drama. If you think about waste of a life, because our life is in our mind, you know, our life, you know, we're experiencing everything to our, to our mind. And there's all that shit show inside. What a waste. So that's the hardest one. So that's why I should make it, makes it even more important that I don't have and that I should make my mind a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, so it's, it's forgiveness, forgiving yourself because you didn't know. You didn't, you didn't know what you know now. Yeah. Back then yeah. when you were. But there were times I knew and I still did the stupid <laughs> thing, you know, like, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, like, <clears throat> yeah. And I'm sure I'll do those again. You know, yeah. just... the best of times and the worst of times. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I hear you, brother. Yeah, I do, man. Um, yeah, and then what about people that you've afflicted heart or pain on um, during those years as well, like in terms of forgiveness? 
from them or forgiving yourself for what happened with them? Because that's something else. That's a great question. I think it depends on what will give you peace and what will give them peace. If you feel like they need it, I've done that. I have a part, you know, I have no problem putting people in the eye and apologizing if I fucked up, you know, and some may accept it, some may not, but in the end, it, it, you did it, right? And sometimes it can, and so you, you do it internally, and you let it go, you know? And what you do is you say, okay, then I'm not going to, I'm going to be better. I'm going to work on myself, not for anyone else, for me. You know, <clears throat> for me, because I owe that to myself. I have this life. I owe it to being like the best I can be for myself. Mm-hmm. When I go to sleep at I go to sleep at night, even if I'm surrounded by some, you know, a harem for that matter or not, you still with yourself. Yeah. And now you still wake up to yourself. And when you die, you still die. You know, even if you're surrounded by a loved one, you're still alone, man. Like, I almost died in the hospital surrounded by uh, all these, you know, people with surgical scrubs and masks. You know, you just realize this, it's a it's a one-person journey. Life is a one-person journey. You know, no matter what you're surrounded by, you're still in your hand. Yeah. And so so if you if you need um, need to do with others, go for it, man. It, it's like kudos to you. That's That's like respect. Because most people will never do that. Respect to you for doing that. Respect yourself for doing it. If you don't, then do it with it. Mm-hmm. Then move forward, you know. Ideally, I mean, like, um, I will always think much higher of anyone who goes in and does it in person. I mean, that's that's being a... I mean, you're talking about as men. I'm like, that's being a man. Makes balls, yeah. 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 The, um, yeah, the experience in hospital where... You almost died. Yeah, just having that idea that you're alone at that point, and no matter what would have happened to you on that operating table, life was going to continue. Like those surgeons would yeah. have gone home again that evening, got on with their life. Yeah. And does that bring a sense of loneliness, or does it bring a sense of nourishment or gratitude to your life? What's what's the sort of feeling with that? Because it, it feels very lonely and isolated, disconnected, maybe. Well, but actually, I'll tell you where I am now. Like, having gone to that, being on the other side, I have a lot of gratitude just for the experience of living. And also experience of living, feeling good, having my health. You know, my brother told me this once. So he's like, you know, um, the man who has his health has a thousand problems. The man who doesn't have his health has one problem. It's so true. Yeah. It's so, having been in the hospital, man, in a bad state, let me tell you, about it. It's really plenty. It says, when I was dying and I woke up, I guess, in the, in the after the OR, and I'm, I, you know, I was in the hospital for like a week and a half, um, the first time, um, I was, I was, I realized one day, I was like, oh my God, I almost died. With three hundred thousand American Express points in the back, American Express points in the back, I was saving them with some for some big trip, first class to you know tickets, you know some whatever. I was like, I almost died. I was saving that for what? You know, like what the hell? It's like that's actually one of been a big shift in me, man. And that's actually gratitude that comes in. Like I give myself what I want in the moment. As I, you know, I'm not I'm not going around and like 
you know, reckless, yeah. being stupid, right? But I'm allowing myself to enjoy enjoy things rather than. So what I did with those MX points, I just hooked them from my Amazon account, and my Amazon was basically free for like a year and a half. <laughs> You know, everything I was buying was the three on Amazon. You know what? Honestly, Jeff, Jeff, that gave me more joy for a year and a half than one trick. <laughs> but it's like, it's it's kind of giving me a little bit of like a, like, like if I want something and I can give it to myself, I give it to myself. And there's a gratitude that I'm allotted I can do that. Right? It doesn't have to do anything big. It can be, it can be small. But I don't, it's not loneliness. It's a, it's a sense of freedom because like, look, Here's the here's the good news and bad news. So the bad news is no one else is responsible for your life. The good news is no one else is responsible for your life. You are. Okay, so good news and the bad news. So if you can take it and do with it what you wish. You can make it the good news. Like, I'm responsible, then I'm going to step up for myself, and I'm going to do this for myself, and whoa. Through it all, I'm going to do it for myself, right? I'm not going to wait for the world to save me. I'm not going to wait for anyone else to save me. Or whatever, I'm gonna save myself. I'm gonna create greatness within myself. So honestly, I don't think it does loneliness. Um, this whole thing about, um, I think my brother said his life was in single player game, and I think he tweeted that. I, it's funny, I never quoted, but he laughed when I thought this. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it's like in the end. You know, we got to do it for ourselves, not for anyone else. You know, we can be the example, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I mean, the best advice is being the example. You tweeted that. You tweeted that. Yeah, I did tweet that. I was <laughs> thinking that. Right? But I was like, no, I was watching your video with your son working out. Oh, I'm like, is it because you're harassing your son to work out? No, you're working out and he wants to do what you, you know, like you're being example. I love that. Movie. That was so yes. cute. That was awesome. Yes. He's doing little military presses with the little dumbbells. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no technique or form whatsoever. I'm not taking that one. Any, was... not, not taking any of my advice whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a qualified uh, coach, personal trainer. Yeah. No, daddy. I know what to do. Stubborn as an ass. I don't know where he gets from, but uh, yeah, all good. Um, you do have your uh, podcast as well, uh, Curious Kamal, and I canceled it. You canceled it. Well, it, it doesn't. It, go on, go on. Tell us why. I, I was doing it when I was trying to come back to life from all that. I was still in a lot of pain, and I was trying to give myself something creative, so I did that. But I realized I was doing it more. I wasn't. It wasn't my. I mean, I I thought about doing another one this time, like full on. Then I was just doing it just to like fill my mind because, like, when you're in severe pain, you're just trying to like distract your mind. Often, right? That's the best you can do with pain, uh, because you know they give me all these opioids and stuff, and I hate that stuff. Like, I mean, I they would have created a massive addict out of me, you know, the level of pain I was in. So I was just like doing my practice and trying to, um, you know, just distract my mind. I thought it was good, and I think I may do it some down, somewhere down the road, but I, I canceled it. I was like, look, this is my, my full-on heart. It's not in it. Like my books. I give so much of my books. I studied for a decade to be a literary fiction writer, right? So like the craft, like I've studied the grades. I, I worked hard on the craft of writing. So like when I write, I, I mean, the rebirth, the novel, that took, I rewrote that book from scratch nine times from scratch various, I, love it. I mean, and each time becoming a better, better writer, studying and then go back to it. it. Took over a decade to write that book, right? 
love yourself the the version that harper collins put out took a year i'm just obsessive going through because i want every word to matter i want it to be the like when i'm gone this is what i left to the world like a hundred years from now someone never heard of me or if they have whatever they pick up the book and it helps them so i don't think i had that level of uh, I know I didn't have that level of whatever it is in the podcast. I was doing it more just to distract myself. Yeah. So eventually I decided, you know what, if that's it, then put it aside. Mm-hmm. Work on other things. Um, I may do another one again, but yeah, I pulled it aside. The uh, the question I was going to ask, though, was more related to the uh-huh. title of the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was curious as to what Kamal is currently curious about the most right now. What are you curious about the most right now? Oh, that's a great... Dude, you asked a really good question. <laughs> seriously. Seriously, you really do. One of the things when you do podcasts, like, you get tired of asking the same questions again and again. Yeah, yeah. It's I nice it's not to be an autopilot in a podcast. No, no, no. Um, you know, some of the things I'm curious about... Uh, I'll tell you something, but you'll get a kick out of this. This is about a year and a half ago. I woke up one morning. I thought, I want to be John Wick. You've seen the movie John Wick, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. So I went out and set up my own John Wick training program. I, I, I went through my network of like um, a network of friends and I found a uh, uh, US Army Navy, uh, Navy SEAL who was Team 6, uh, SEAL Team 6. He's very highly decorated. I mean, he's been in the major stuff. SEAL Team 6 was the one that said after, you know, like Bin Laden and all those, like they go in the hardest, the worst one. He can, like, told me once after we started working together, like he didn't talk much, but he's like, yeah, I've been in hundreds of firefights. Think about it, hundreds of firefights, right? Um, incredible. So I found him and a friend of us were in touch and I called him and I said like, look, I want you to train me in shooting and, and combat shooting could be like John Wick, silent on the other end. He's like, who the heck, who, who is this bonehead? Right. But because we were introduced by a friend he respected, like, okay, show off, let me meet you, let's see what how you train. And I started came I started training with him full time one on one. Full time meaning like, you know, three, four hours a day or like four days a week. And then sometimes like on the weekends, like a full day on just combat shooting. And one day he looked at me and like like he's like, You know what? The way you're shooting now, like the level you've gotten, you're better than John Wick. <laughs> I mean, but the only part of that stuff is it's practice. It takes practice. We don't practice for a while. Uh, it's a very muscle memory thing. Okay. But it's like I've done st- right. the stuff I'm learning with him. Like we're running around on this private military range, doing stuff that you don't get to do. Even in like basic military, like he said, like yeah, I've never done this kind of stuff. Like, we're running, shooting around each other, and all this like crazy stuff. But very like. First, I was very scared to do it, but he was like, look, I've trained you. I know what you're capable of. Shut up and do it, right? Stop bitching and do it. And so I got really curious about, uh, so I was curious about like learning the skill. And you know something I also learned in the process? Two things. One is if you're going to learn something, find a master, not someone who's like, I could have found many people who teach how to shoot, but he is a, you know, he is a modern day samurai, really was gone off to the wars, came back on the sword and now it just took on a student to train like he has been tested in ways most of us never will that was his that was his job four nights a week to go on a mission and take out really really bad people for decades right the stories are totally just mind-boggling and 
So one thing is if you can look for a master because you don't, you don't like pick up the bad habits and immediately like make sure you don't have the bad habits. Second, when you see that level of care and craftsman and some somebody who's really honed their art, you fall in love with it. I didn't expect to fall in love with shooting. I thought it'd be kind of cool, to be honest. I just thought it'd be kind of cool. I fell in love with it. Like I love it. It's like my favorite thing. It's like we can't have both joke. It's better than therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. And and so like the learn from a master. Second one was you know like if you're learning is you start learning a skill that I was curious about and you go deeper. It's just you who gets better. It's like any craft, right? Like I kind of like it helped help me in some ways to start to come back to life after all that I went through. Mm-hmm. Like build a new kind of confidence I never had before, right? Because I lost a lot of my confidence when when I was just in pain. You just you start to like lose it. You know, as men, we used to like, I'm going to take on the world. We have this thing, right? I'm strong. I lost all of that. And it doesn't just come back like that. You know, when you, when you've just been pushed down for a couple of years. And so like this helped me, like on some ways, like rebuild myself, like a new level of confidence. I'm like, I'm like, I would not fuck with me. <laughs> you know, it's like a different kind, it's a different kind of confidence. And so like, I was very curious about that. And then now my next thing is like, huh, what else does John McDo? He rides motorcycle. That's what I ride a motorcycle. What else does he do? Like, I'm like, I'm thinking about personal job return. That's what I'm curious about. Like, Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're going to be, you're going to be in uh, John Wick 5, is it? Yeah. No, no, no. That's a funny thing. I don't post this on Instagram. I don't yeah. share this. Like, well, you know, it's more of like a personal mastery kind of thing. Something I'm really enjoying. And <clears throat> I also think as a man in this world, it's good to learn, have knowledge of how to protect those you love, whether it's martial arts or something or protect yourself. If there's something about, I think we've lost in modern society, that feeling. Yeah. Like, hey, it is the fan. I can protect the ones I love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think there's something that, that turns on inside of us when we get that skill. And it's not like, we're any more aggressive, we're actually less aggressive. The more, you know, the more you realize just what this this stuff is about, what guns are about, the more like you less want to use stuff, but like you're very dangerous with them. Yeah. Right? Or same thing with martial arts. I think it's a really good thing to do mm-hmm. um for us. Uh it's for for just it, it does something to you knowing that you can handle yourself. It's a, it's um, interesting where you where you go from a place where you feel potentially completely powerless because of your pain and because of the afflictions that, that you were dealing with at that time, you've completely powerless. And then when you come out to the side of it, you go and seek out the most powerful thing you could find. <laughs> then <laughs> you reclaim your power again. Yeah. 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 I never would have picked that, figured out that, that this is what I was going to do. Right. But like, I fell in love with it. And so I'm kind of curious about that. Just like the next step. Okay. Motorcycles. Okay. This kind of hand to hand combat. You know, I have a dog. You saw a Belgian Malinois. Yeah. That's the one they had in John Wick uh, 3. You know, like Halle Berry, those dogs. They're badass dogs. You're like, yeah. I mean, that. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> it's, yeah, that's it. That is it. It's, uh, yeah, you're trying to reclaim your power. Again, or re- reclaim strength. You know, it's a confidence. I don't I didn't realize I was doing it. What I'm, but I'm not reclaiming I'm creating something new. Mm. It's a different kind of power. It's, 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 the, next, really- it's the next level. Whatever, right? But it's different. It's not like, um, I don't believe in like, let me go back and try to be who I wanted, no matter how good that is. Yeah, okay. Let me actually figure out how to be next level, yeah. you know? 
that serves the purpose that is time. Let me learn something new. Um, so that's what I'm curious about my whole personal Java training program. Like what to, what to do next. <laughs> nice. So I'm uh, kicking John Wick's ass in one of these movies. <laughs> no way, man. No, but then I've watched this, I've watched his uh, shooting video, John, uh, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves, right? At Terrence Tactical at the range of California. I'm like, yeah, I could take out that range would be easy. It'd be fun to do, be fun to go do. Uh, but like, I'm learning more also like, you know, like we were at the range the other day and I had my M4 and I'm just casually taking out targets at 200 yards without even thinking. I was like, geez, think about it. That's scary, but I could do that. I could sip a coffee and take out targets at 200 yards without even thinking. Like it's just like, <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's you amazing know? what the mind and the body can do actually when you Yeah, yeah. Right. Just like a switch. handgun, right? Yeah. It's really like a martial art. It's all built, working with the handgun is all about same basic fundamentals and you build on those fundamentals and you build on those fundamentals and you get immediate feedback when you shoot the round, you know exactly where it goes. And then you start adding in things like, now you're running and having to shoot. You got all this adrenaline. You got running and then he's shooting, someone's shooting next to you. Right, the adrenaline—it's like it just builds and builds and builds. It's so much fun. Yeah, cool. Some some guys go to the pub and have a few beers, and Kamal goes to some shooting <laughs> range and shoots a few rounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would highly recommend anyone like take something that you think that like if you haven't done it, like a martial art, like go deep, yeah. like go for mastery in it. Like just like this will be a lifelong learning thing for me. Right, find a mouse, like. Yeah. Yeah, you find a master and then just go like deep into it. Like, my God, like there's a reason why you see like guys like Jocko and all these like, he did, you know, he came out of the SEAL team. His thing is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and he's, you know, there's something about that. I think that really, I think it's, it, it hits something primal yeah. that we need. So it's settled down something inside of us that we don't mm-hmm. get in our comfortable modern lives. Of course, it's the forgotten warrior within us, isn't it? Yeah, and it doesn't mean that we're going to go out now start doing stuff but it actually makes you calmer that's the irony yeah. it makes you it gives you like a quiet confidence it's that quiet confident guy you don't want to fuck with you know not the long <laughs> one yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah what is it confidence is often quiet and insecurity is often loud so mm. that's that's really good seems to be the way uh man i have absolutely loved this conversation with you uh, but before we go uh-huh. Please let everyone know where they can find you, and very importantly, where they can source your books from. Your brilliant books. Well, my books are published all over the world. So, like, especially "Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It." It's at HarperCollins published in England and and Ireland and so forth. You know, they wrote about it. That book really does. I I get emails and messages every day from all over the world. A lot of them, and they're always two two kinds. One, either it saved my life, two, it changed my life. Those are the only two kind of emails I get. And so like this was, you know, I almost died horribly after just when I turned in uh, that, you know, the whole thing in 2019, just after I turned the final draft to HarperCollins. I remember also waking up thinking that would have been my gift to the world I've been left behind. Mm-hmm. And I was so glad I was able to finish it, right? But now that I'm alive and I get to see, I get to see the benefits all over the world. So like I would highly recommend that book. And don't, I'm not trying to sell anyone anything. HarperCollins, HarperCollins thanks you, you know, like, but really it's, it's, uh, I would highly recommend that one and the other one, you know, build upon the way I think. Um, so they're available anywhere. And as for me, me, I'm just, I'm pretty low key, Twitter, Instagram, there's a new uh, app coming out that I'm an investor in. That's going to be really amazing called AirChat. 
um, that the ball and Brian Norgard, uh, Nor Brian Norgard is the guy who built Tinder or the best product guy in tech and my brother are building. So when you get an air chat, look me up, I'll be there. We can hang out and chat. Sweet. Air chat. Okay. Yeah. Any idea when that's launching? They've done like a closed launch and they're slowly starting to let people in because they want to create like a, a new, a, a different kind of social network where actually people have proper quality conversations that are good. It's not about showing off. It's not about any of that. It's like a, it's like a, a very different kind of social network, mm. you know, that, um, so I'm very proud of being part of it. I'm investing in it and I, and I love it. So yeah, between, between yourself and Naval, you can't go wrong and I look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get you, I'll see if I can get you on. Like, uh, it's an yeah, yeah. Video, I'll see if I can get you on. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet man. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. And my pleasure. In the meantime, I look forward to your visit to Ireland as well at some point. I would love it. I would love it. I've only heard great things about the Irish people, you know, like I would love it. And obviously the writers, oh my God, the writers that come from Ireland call. Yeah. And that the rave that they write about. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. yeah. But like, they, you know, the Irish writers do one thing. They can take something that's pure misery and make it the most beautiful thing you've ever read in your life. <laughs> they have this, that's like, you know. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're Irish writers are just Irish poets are incredible. I would love to come. Yeah. You know, come on over. I uh Yeats, you probably heard of Yeats, have you? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeats Yeats's grave is in this town. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there you go, man. Bring your gun. Shoot some rounds. No, I don't think I'm allowed I don't think I'm allowed to in our prison apart from my gun. <laughs> <laughs> may blend in. He may blend in quite well with some people, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but all good, man. Thank you. Till next time. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information, and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.